tonight on Behind the Lines. Tonight, we look at the raging anger in America and the increasing violence in our society. Can we regain civility in how we treat each other, or are we on a course for civil war? Stay tuned as we examine civility or civil war. The choice is ours. Behind the Lines. Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee is about to go international. International. Soon, Behind the Lines will be broadcasting to the entire United States and the European Union on shortwave radio. International airwaves are not only effective, but affordable. Contact Sharon Thompson at 267-935-9042. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Behind the line. That seems very bizarre to me. We have a lot of news to get to. Imagine my shock and surprise. On and on and on. Behind the line. And they wonder why we call them fake news. Hack. Me too movement. Moving across the country at this hour. This old lady's not rolling over. Behind the lines. And it's the politics of hatred. I'm so glad I found you. You're listening to Behind the Lines. With J.R. McGee. That's my first point. To be on the show, call 267-935-9042. Yes, sir. Email J.R. McGee your thoughts or questions. J.R. McGee Radio at gmail.com. Now, behind the lines. Welcome to another edition of Behind the Lines, where tonight we're going to examine civility in our own country. Whether it's political, professional, personal, or just pontificating on Facebook, we're losing our ability to have honest discussions with each other and the ability to simply agree to disagree. Our civil discourse is rapidly degrading to the point that people are now advocating real violence on those with whom they disagree. Today, it seems people demand that you agree with them or you're just simply evil. We're losing our ability to treat each other civilly, as hideous as it is, and disgusting a thing that you can call another person. The term Nazi, Gestapo, and Hitler are becoming commonplace in our disagreements. I don't care how much you disagree with somebody. Calling them a Hitler or a Nazi is simply unacceptable. These concepts are pure evil. They resulted in millions of people being put into ovens, gassed, shot, burned, brutalized, treated as subhumans. Case in point, people are calling the ICE refugee centers concentration camps and using language from the Nazis to describe conditions there. More than one newspaper article has referred to President Trump as Hitler, referring to conservatives as Nazis, and the temporary housing centers also as concentration camps. Now, here are some words from a Holocaust survivor who was there. David Tuck, born in Poland and a victim of real Nazis. A man who experienced this horror firsthand and what he has to say about people calling others a Nazi just because you disagree with them. Quote, there's absolutely nothing in common between U.S. border refugee centers and real concentration camps. You know, I looked up there at the border centers and I said to myself, all the mattresses and everything and the food. I said at that time, I think it was a country club. It's sickening. It's just plain sickening, he said, about people calling the president or their political opponents Nazis. I thought we were smarter than that, unquote. That's a powerful quote from somebody who was in a real concentration camp. Now, people may think that they're just using these despicable terms to make sure you know how upset they are. I get that. 
but this is the thermonuclear level of incivility. Once you go there, where can you possibly go next? And how can you possibly reach a compromise with someone you believe is truly evil? You know, we got much to talk about tonight as I'm going to dig deep into this issue of how we talk with each other and how we reach any sort of neutral ground. You know, we're going to have to find a new way of talking with each other, debating each other, and treating each other with respect, real respect. If we're going to have any chance of reaching any sort of understanding, any workable compromise, or regaining any type of civility in our society, if we don't, we're headed to a really dark place. Now, when we come back, let's take a look at the political aspect of incivility and its consequences. Let's take a break here from some of our sponsors. Listen to Behind the Lines on Demand. Go to Behind the Lines on YouTube. Hit subscribe and click on the bell icon. You'll be alerted to live updates from J.R. McGee 24-7 from around the world. Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee will continue after this. Lately, the stock market has been really volatile. It's been over nine years since the 2008 debacle. Here's the question. Are you ready for the next market correction? Hi, I'm Peter Wexler, president of Willow Grove's Franklin Retirement Solutions. We are retirement and income planners, which means that we help retirees every day position their nest eggs to weather market downturns and to provide for 20, 30, or maybe even 40-year retirements with your very own written income plan. Does this sound different from what your current advisor is doing for you? Hey, it probably is. If you want to know more about how we can help you with your retirement plan, or you just want to know more about protecting your life savings from creditors, predators, and Uncle Sam, give us a call today. Make sure that you say that you heard us on the radio so that any and all consultations in our office will be absolutely free. Call today, 855-347-2346. That's 855-34-RADIO. Behind the Lines. At Buckman's, we're passionate about skiing snowboarding, and having fun with friends and family. Everything we do, from the gear we carry to the services we offer, is driven by this passion. Since our first shop opened in 1971 until today, we are proud that all our stores are family-owned and operated. Our online store, buckmans.com, also reflects this passion. When you order from us, an actual skier or snowboarder ships your order out of an actual shop, not some giant warehouse. It's our mission to share our love for the outdoors with you, so you and your loved ones can experience winter to its fullest. You may not have heard of us, but if you want that mom-and-pop feel, combined with the expert knowledge and award-winning service that comes from over 45 years of experience, why not give us a try? Buckmans.com You're listening to Behind the Line. Reduce or eliminate your electric bill with Exact Solar, one of Pennsylvania and New Jersey's leading solar energy system installers and the only company with extensive experience in installing solar PV, solar water heating, and solar pool heating systems. As a local family-owned business, we take pride in our high-quality installations and our excellent award-winning customer service. You can start saving money right away with a solar energy system. To learn more, call us at 215-621-8353 or visit us online at exactsolar.com today. Behind the Lines. We'll be right back after this. 
Support Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee. As an independent media voice, we rely on our sponsors to support our program. Contact us at 267-935-9042 to advertise on Behind the Lines. Now, now, back to Behind the Lines. I am offended and outraged. All the special operations. In my opinion. I found you divinely. And I'll get to that point in just a minute. To be on the show, call 267-935-9042. Email J.R. McGee your thoughts or questions. J.R. McGee Radio at gmail.com. Welcome back. And in this segment of civility or civil war, you know, we get to choose. And I want to look at the political aspect of civility and how we treat each other. Unfortunately, there are far more examples of political incivility that occurred just this week than I could ever get to or do justice. So let's look at the big ones. And I think everyone would agree that Maxine Waters, the Democratic representative from the state of California uh, and her district in the southern Los Angeles, uh, she just may take the cake. Uh, Let's take a look at what she actually said. Quote, if you see anybody from that cabinet in a restaurant, in a department store, at a gasoline station, you get out and you create a crowd and you push back on them and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere, unquote. And get this, if you see anybody from that cabinet, Trump's cabinet, out in public, going about their daily lives and minding their own business, Maxine wants you to push back on them. Now, this is where most people are saying Maxine advocates for violence. I say not yet. I've had situations in my life, both professional and personal, where I've had to push back on something somebody said or done that I thought was not appropriate or incorrect. Had to do it this week twice on Facebook. I've done that without violence. I've done that by speaking up and speaking out. I've not been bashful about saying what I thought needed to be said. I know. Imagine your shock and surprise. But I've said it in an appropriate manner and in an appropriate place and in a respectful way. But I've pushed back. And I'm willing to give Mad Max the benefit of the doubt here on this one. I personally believe at this point in her tirade, no harm, no foul. <laughs> but she just can't help herself. She had to continue. Here's what she said, quote, and you tell them they're not welcome anymore anywhere, unquote. Here's where Mad Max and I part company. She's telling the world, as she knows it, to actively go out and tell people that as American citizens and members of our society, they're not welcome in the public square. They're no longer welcome in gas stations, restaurants, department stores. You know, the very places we need to go to get goods and services we require to live our lives. Mad Max wants to freeze them out and make it so that they can no longer live here in the United States. She wants to make their lives so difficult, so uncomfortable, and so painful that they can't survive here in our society. And with that, I have a huge problem. Now, this is not because they've done anything illegal. Uh, they, they didn't break any laws. If they have, why hadn't somebody filed charges? To my knowledge, Sarah Sanders was run out of a public accommodation restaurant. And Kirsten Nielsen, 
who also works in the cabinet, was harassed in a Mexican restaurant with her boyfriend. Now, they weren't engaging in any type of untoward behavior in any way. There were multiple witnesses. What's really shameful is that several eyewitnesses testify that the assailants for Miss Nielsen were trying to get her boyfriend, who I understand is a pretty large guy, to fight them and cause a scene of violence. They wanted it to become violent. Appears they were deliberately trying to escalate this into what could only have become a very dangerous situation. Whether you agree with these people or not, they have a right as Americans to live their lives. Each of us at some point demands that our professional lives be separate from our personal lives. When we're with our families and our kids, all of us deserve some personal space. You would demand that. Why can't they? I get the point that in some people's eyes, they believe that if these people are responsible for harming someone else, they should pay for that. I'd agree. If they were personally responsible for harming someone else, they should go to jail or pay restitution. But as far as I can determine, and I've looked, both of these ladies were simply doing their jobs. And they were both simply out in society. The jobs they were hired to do. The jobs that if they didn't do, the same people screaming at them in the restaurants would be screaming at them to be fired. Now, you may not like their jobs. You might not even agree with their jobs. But it's their jobs. They got an obligation to do their jobs. If you don't like that, work to get the administration thrown out of office. It's called voting. It happens every four years. I have it on good authority. It's a simple process. President Obama had a snarky remark. It's very appropriate here. When the conservatives were complaining about something very similar at the beginning of his first administration, President Obama said, and I quote, elections have consequences, unquote. Don't like this election? Vote them out in 2020. But you cannot attack politicians, and especially their staff, in the streets and in public accommodation environments. I agree with President Obama on this one. There are consequences. The restaurant manager for the Red Hen in Virginia said that she and her team voted and made the choice to ask Sarah Sanders to leave the restaurant. Ms. Sanders did nothing wrong. She nor her entourage caused any scene or made any disturbance. The manager said just because she worked for Donald Trump, she had to go. This is a restaurant that was open to the public, a restaurant that claimed to not discriminate based on all types of clauses like race, sex, creed, religion. Wait a minute, creed. What, what does creed mean? Really? Well, let's figure this out, shall we? My Merriam-Webster dictionary defines a person's creed as a fundamental set of beliefs, also a guiding principle. Kind of like the beliefs that drives a person's convictions, huh? Now, I don't know the specific law in Virginia. I'm not a lawyer. And for that, may we be truly thankful. But I do know that the same people who prided themselves in pushing for an inclusive, tolerant, non-judgmental environment for every one of us in the past now seems to be the very same people who are demonstrating the least tolerance and the least inclusivity for anyone who doesn't believe exactly what they demand that we should believe. Civility for thee, but not for me. Here's what Senator Chuck Schumer, Democrat Senator from New York, said, quote, If you disagree with somebody or something, stand up. Make your voice heard. Explain why you think they were wrong and then why you think you're right. Make the argument. Protest peacefully, but no one should call for the harassment of political opponents. That's not right. That's not American. End quote. <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm shocked. I find myself in complete agreement with what Senator Schumer says on this topic. In fact, I can't find a single thing I disagree with in that entire statement. Now, it's not often that I find myself in complete agreement with Senator Schumer, 
But when I am, I believe I should stand up and say so. When President Trump says or does something I don't agree with, I'm going to stand up and say so. I'm completely against his tariff decisions. Even though I'm seeing some positive things come out of that that I didn't expect, I still believe there's several other tactics he could have tried before he went for the tariff hammer. And when Chuck Schumer says something correct, I have to be just as quick to stand up and defend him as well. And in this situation, his call for Maxine Waters to cease and desist in fomenting unrest and hostilities in the American populace is completely correct. Look, Representative Maxine Waters is engaging in a very serious escalation of hostilities in America. And she's doing it at a time when emotions and feelings are running exceptionally high. I think she's being irresponsible in this situation. I think she's inflaming the situation and she's going to get somebody hurt on both sides of the protest. Frankly, I believe that this woman should be investigated by the Ethics Committee to determine if she's violated the rules of Congress and the standards of civility demanded by members of Congress, both for each other and how they represent the organization to the rest of the world. I'm calling for a de-escalation of the rhetoric on both sides of this situation. Calm it down, people. Take several deep breaths. Ask yourself, why are people doing the things they're doing? I don't believe for a moment that the demonstrators truly believe that their fellow Americans are evil on a scale to match Hitler and the Gestapo. I also don't believe for a single moment that the ICE agents or the Border Patrol guards want to separate families or cause any hurt to a single child. If you're honest, you can't believe that either. So both sides ultimately want pretty much the same thing here, a peaceful and effective resolution to this whole mess. And name-calling, much less calling people truly hideous names and making hideous accusations, that's not going to get us there. If you're simply convinced that President Trump is evil, then there's nothing anybody's going to be able to do to help you or convince you on any other path than the one that you're on. But for the sane people out there that are listening to me, we have to find a way to talk to each other. Find areas where we all agree and work from there to come to an agreement that'll work. Our immigration laws and our border control worked for the vast majority of our country's history, so I don't believe it won't work now. Our laws have been humane and effective in the past, so I don't believe we can't find a way back to those again. For people who want to find a way, we're Americans. That's what we do. We can put a man on the moon. We can find a way to find a home for immigrants that want to become Americans and keep us safe from those that would harm us or our families. It's not simple, but it's doable. I just think Mad Maxine Waters is the absolute wrong person to be leading this charge. In our next segment, I want to look at how civility is breaking down at the societal level between the different groups in America. We'll be back right after this. Listen to Behind the Lines on Demand. Go to Behind the Lines on YouTube. Hit subscribe and click on the bell icon. You'll be alerted to live updates from J.R. McGee 24-7 from around the world. Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee will continue after this. Reduce or eliminate your electric bill with Exact Solar, one of Pennsylvania and New Jersey's leading solar energy system installers and the only company with extensive experience in installing solar PV, solar water heating, and solar pool heating systems. As a local family-owned business, we take pride in our high-quality installations and our excellent award-winning customer service. You can start saving money right away with a solar energy system. To learn more, call us at 215 615 
888-621-8353 or visit us online at exactsolar.com today. Behind the Lines. Hi, I'm Peter Wexler, president of Franklin Retirement Solutions. And if you're like a lot of folks out there, the recent market volatility is driving you nuts. Here's the thing. Are you prepared for the next market correction? What percentage of your nest egg is at risk to the market? Do you want more money protected from market slides? There are a few ways, and I'd love to tell you more about it. Give me a call right now at 855-34-RADIO. That's 855-347-2346. Let's talk about income planning and investment options, including market risk and protected money strategies, and what blend might be right for you. And if you tell us that you heard us on the radio, any and all consultations we have will be absolutely free. Don't wait for the market to correct again. Start planning now. 855-34-RADIO. That's 855-347-2346. You're listening to Behind, You're listening to Behind the Lines. At Buckman's, we're passionate about skiing, snowboarding, and having fun with friends and family. Everything we do, from the gear we carry to the services we offer, is driven by this passion. Since our first shop opened in 1971 until today, we are proud that all our stores are family-owned and operated. Our online store, buckmans.com, also reflects this passion. When you order from us, an actual skier or snowboarder ships your order out of an actual shop, not some giant warehouse. It's our mission to share our love for the outdoors with you, so you and your loved ones can experience winter to its fullest. You may not have heard of us, but if you want that mom-and-pop feel, combined with the expert knowledge and award-winning service that comes from over 45 years of experience, why not give us a try? Buckmans.com Behind the Lines We'll be right back after this. Support Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee as an independent media voice, we rely on our sponsors to support our program. Contact us at 267-935-9042 to advertise on Behind the Lines. Now, now back to Behind the Lines. I am offended and outraged. All the special operations. In my opinion. I found you divinely. And I'll get to that point in just a minute. To be on the show, call 267 935-9042. Email J.R. McGee your thoughts or questions. J.R. McGee Radio at gmail.com Welcome back. Tonight, we're continuing our adventure into civility or civil war. Nobody can look at the news anymore and fail to notice that, once again, our society is tearing itself apart. We've been here before as a country and as a society. In the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, the 1970s during the Vietnam War, and now this. The great war between the liberals and the conservatives. There's a quote that I like because it has a great deal of truth in it. Benjamin Disraeli is quoted as saying, A man who is not a liberal at 16 has no heart. A man who's not a conservative at 60 has no head. Here there's plenty of shame to go around on all sides. I believe that there's more than two sides to the societal aspect of our incivility to each other today. Let's take a look at as many of the examples as we can get into in this segment. First up is Antifa, an irony if there ever was one. Their name is short for antifascists, and yet 
They're in many regards the most fascist group in America today. Let's take this one apart and see why I make that claim. We have to begin at the beginning, and that's the definition of fascism. We can't tell who's a fascist and who's not until we can determine precisely what the definition is and work from there. My Merriam-Webster dictionary, again, defines fascism as, one, a political philosophy, movement, or regime that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and societal regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. The second definition, a tendency toward or actual exercise of strong autocratic or dictatorial control. The first definition clearly describes organizations like the one in Hitler's Germany and in Italy under Mussolini. This was essentially the driving force of evil that created World War II. Millions dead, millions more lives shattered, countries destroyed, and futures broken. This is one of the greatest evils the world's ever seen. No one should casually accuse another person of evil of this magnitude just because you disagree with them on issues of policy. That's unacceptable in any civilized society. I want to examine the second definition. A tendency toward or actual exercise of strong autocratic or dictatorial control. And this is precisely what Antifa is doing today. Demanding any speech or belief different than theirs be silenced or controlled. Tearing down statues they don't agree with. Now, tearing down statues was also done by the Nazis in Germany and by the fascists in Italy. Exactly the same way. Antifa freely expresses a strong desire for a government strong enough to silence anyone who disagrees with them, and they have proven repeatedly they're willing to use violence and force to exercise control over anyone who doesn't believe exactly what they do. Even in our recent past, we could argue with each other. We could disagree with each other. Sometimes seriously disagree with each other. And we could hold significantly different views in each other but we could also agree to disagree. We debated the relative merits of each position. We argued for our sides. Guys, we made a case in the court of public opinion, and we changed each other's minds. I've got friends on Facebook that are significantly more liberal than I am, and I go back and forth with them. I love having them as friends. I love having them as people to make me look at the other side. They've, they've opened my mind. I've opened their mind. We've convinced others of our point of view, or they've convinced us of theirs. Worst case, we simply agree to disagree and move on. Today, if you don't agree with the Antifa crowd, they'll use clubs, bats, bricks, or worse on you. They demand you agree to be silent. They tolerate no difference of opinion, nor any other position but theirs. That is the definition of fascist behavior. No different than any other totalitarian regime in history. And yet they call themselves anti-fascists. You can pick them out of a crowd instantly. They got black masks, black hoods, completely covered in black gear and equipment. And they immediately resort to violence to get their way. No debate, no democratic measures, no rational argument or, or presentation of evidence or facts. Just violence to stop anyone who's got a different opinion than them. And that's wrong. It was wrong in the 1940s. It's wrong today. Let's look at another example. Hunter Richard, 16 years old, in Texas at a Whataburger restaurant. Now, full disclosure, Whataburger is one of my favorite places to eat. Hunter was minding his own business, but he was wearing a Make America Great Again ball cap. Now, in Texas, you're either wearing a cowboy hat or a ball cap anytime you're not in the shower. I get that. However, a grown man, 30-year-old Kino Jimenez, walked up and not only snatched the hat off the young kid's head and threw a Coke in his face, he snatched out a patch of the kid's hair. I don't care what you think about anybody else. 
ripping out a chunk of hair from a kid's head because of a stupid hat is grossly uncalled for. The kid was far more mature about the situation than the grown man was. Here's what Hunter Richards said in an interview after the altercation. I support my president, and if you don't, let's have a conversation about it instead of ripping my hat off. I just think a conversation about politics is more productive for the entire whole rather than taking my hat and yelling subjective words at me, unquote. Now, police are investigating to determine whether to file charges. In my opinion, this guy should be charged with assault and battery. He's a 30-year-old adult who assaulted a minor. Forget the politics. If some grown man came up and attacked your 16-year-old son, ripped out a patch of his hair, how do you think you would respond? What would you think is appropriate? Well, let's look at this from a different perspective. Suppose it was a Dallas Cowboys baseball cap. You were in Philadelphia. Even then, this would be completely unacceptable. Yeah, I can see getting into a hot conversation with Eagles fans about the hat. Again, full disclosure, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I live just outside Philadelphia. This is not a hypothetical situation for me. But no grown man has any business attacking a young teenager for any reason. There's no acceptable circumstance where this is okay unless the teen is attacking someone else and the man is defending other people unable to defend themselves. And that was clearly not the situation here. The grown man went into a rage against a kid about a baseball cap. A kid with a baseball cap! Come on, man. To say that's uncivil behavior is a gross understatement. It gets worse. In Portland recently, a group of people wanted to march. Happens all the time. People get permits. They gather a group of similar-minded people. They get to sing and chant and kumbaya give long-winded speeches, wave signs, get attention. I get it. If they're prepared these days, they always seem to have a bullhorn. Where do they get these bullhorns? Is there a bullhorn website I'm missing out? I really want a bullhorn. I'm sorry, I got a little off track there. So far, I'm describing the American way. I'm all for it. The majority of these marches tend to be liberal-based, although the conservatives have been known to howl at the moon occasionally as well. Both sides are at fault here. I seem to remember the Tea Party was big on marches for a while there. Okay, so far, this is not a left or a right thing. It's a civil right of Americans. This time, it was a conservative group called Patriot's Prayer. I don't know much about them, but I did verify that they had a permit. They had all the legal requirements. Their obligations for the march were met. Right up until they ran into the Antifa crowd. Violence ensued. Fights broke out. People were injured mostly on the Antifa side, it seems, but the police ruled that it had become a riot and the police revoked the permit to march. Now, I remember being in Washington, D.C. I'm in D.C. a lot, an awful lot. And the one thing about D.C. is that for as long as I've been going there, which is the early 80s, there's always a protest of some kind at some location every day. Always. At least every time I've been there. And there always seems to be protesters and counter-protesters. And they've always been passionate and highly vocal and almost always polite to each other. There's always a certain respect that seems to be evident. There were rules and protocol that protesters never wanted to violate. Well, we certainly seem to be beyond that now. There's nothing respectful about these clashes going on today. It's all hate all the time. And most disturbing, it's personal. Personal attacks, personal destruction. It doesn't seem like it's to make your case anymore or state your position. It's to show the world how much you hate the other side and how much you want to destroy them. Now, this is not healthy, and it ain't normal. Unless something changes and changes soon, this path will undoubtedly escalate into physical hostilities and people will get hurt, maybe worse. On our current path, it seems to be inevitable. A recent poll taken across America and across parties and politics found that 44% of Americans now believe we're headed for a civil war, a no-kidding, shooting-at-each-other civil war, 44%. 
That's a huge number, a scary number. People are seeing that what's taking place across America is not our normal give and take anymore. It's not our typical marches and demonstrations. Emotions, hostilities, a very real rage is building across America on both sides. And even other groups are getting into the act. And as people continue to incite others to poke and prod a little here, a little there, they're creating the perfect storm for someone, anyone, to create that one spark that happens at precisely the wrong moment for precisely the wrong reason that starts a wildfire that we're not going to be able to put out. Think it can't happen here? Think again. It happened in New York City in 1863. It happened in 1965 in Los Angeles. It happened in 1967 in Detroit. It can happen again, and it can happen where you are. Some genies cannot be put back into a bottle. Now, when we come back, I want to explore the breakdown of civility in our judicial system. Listen to Behind the Lines on Demand. Go to Behind the Lines on YouTube. Hit subscribe and click on the bell icon. You'll be alerted to live updates from J.R. McGee 24-7 from around the world. Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee will continue after this. Lately, the stock market has been really volatile. It's been over nine years since the 2008 debacle. Here's the question. Are you ready for the next market correction? Hi, I'm Peter Wexler, president of Willow Grove's Franklin Retirement Solutions. We are retirement and income planners, which means that we help retirees every day position their nest eggs to weather market downturns and to provide for 20, 30, or maybe even 40-year retirements with your very own written income plan. Does this sound different from what your current advisor is doing for you? Hey, it probably is. If you want to know more about how we can help you with your retirement plan, or you just want to know more about protecting your life savings from creditors, predators, and Uncle Sam, give us a call today. Make sure that you say that you heard us on the radio so that any and all consultations in our office will be absolutely free. Call today, 855-347-2346. That's 855-34-RADIO. Behind the Lines. You're listening to Behind. You're listening to Behind the Lines. Reduce or eliminate your electric bill with Exact Solar, one of Pennsylvania and New Jersey's leading solar energy system installers and the only company with extensive experience in installing solar PV, solar water heating, and solar pool heating systems. As a local family-owned business, we take pride in our high-quality installations and our excellent award-winning customer service. You can start saving money right away with a solar energy system. To learn more, call us at 215-621-8353 or visit us online at exactsolar.com today. Behind the Lines. We'll be right back after this. Support Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee. As an independent media voice, we rely on our sponsors to support our program. Contact us at 267-935-9042 to advertise on Behind the Lines. Now. Now. Back to Behind the Lines. I am offended and outraged. All the special operations. In my opinion. I found you divinely. And I'll get to that point in just a minute. To be on the show, call 267-935-9042. Email J.R. McGee your thoughts or questions. J.R. McGee Radio at gmail.com. Back 
as we continue our discussion tonight on civility or civil war. The choice is ours. In this segment, I want to talk about the breakdown in civility in our judicial system. It all comes down to one phrase. <laughs> Here comes the judge. I'm sorry. After talking about the 1970s, I was reliving my youth there for a moment. This week, President Trump nominated Judge Brett Kavanaugh from the District of Columbia Court of Appeals to replace Justice Kennedy on the Supreme Court. Let the incivility begin. And begin it has. Let's look at the blowback from the right first. Virtually overlooked by almost every news media and journalist because of the focus on the actions and hysterics by those on the left. Conservatives take several issues with Kavanaugh's decisions on cases such as Obamacare and, believe it or not, an abortion case. The left would have you believe Kavanaugh would immediately strike down Roe v. Wade minutes after taking his seat on the high court. Conservatives would have you believe he's going to open the floodgates even greater abortion on demand. Conservatives argue that he didn't go far enough in his dissent in a 2017 case that involved a pregnant immigrant teenager who was taken into federal custody. Kavanaugh wrote that the majority, which ruled to allow the teenager to get an abortion, had badly erred and opened the door to abortion on demand for unaccompanied migrant minors. Come on, guys. He wrote the dissenting opinion on this. In my humble opinion, he struck a compassionate compromise that took the government out of the process entirely, put it in the hands of the family where it belonged. When dogma overrules compassion, I've learned it's a red flag. Above all, the law should strive for compassion where possible and consistency in everything. There's a gentleman named Colby Itkowitz. He wrote a very interesting analysis of a case that came before the appeals court in 2011 on the Affordable Care Act. Colby has some very interesting perspective on just precisely what went on behind the lines and the role that Judge Kavanaugh actually played in that landmark case. According to Colby, Judge Kavanaugh suggested that the Affordable Care Act's individual mandate could be a tax, a tax providing a roadmap to the 2012 Supreme Court ruling that the Republicans believe saved the 2010 health care law. Kavanaugh issued the dissenting opinion in this 2011 case, finding that the ACA was constitutional. But here's the inside, behind-the-lines perspective. Kavanaugh never actually weighed in on the constitutionality of the law, instead arguing the court had no right to take up the case in the first place because of an 1867 law known as the Anti-Injunction Act. Kavanaugh considered the ACA's individual mandate penalty, which is the fine people pay if they don't buy insurance coverage, a tax, meaning that under the centuries-old law, people couldn't legally challenge the statute till after their taxes were paid, and the individual mandate taxes didn't kick in until 2015. Now, this was the path that Justice Roberts used to construct the opinion that saved Obamacare from a certain ruling of unconstitutionality otherwise. So people who are claiming that Kavanaugh would immediately gut Obamacare either haven't been paying attention or they're simply in a hate-the-man-because mode. Kavanaugh also ruled in favor of Obamacare's individual mandate in the Seven Sky versus Eric Holder case. So is he a surefire bet to gut Obamacare? Doesn't look like it to me from the evidence. In all of this, the left is in an absolute meltdown. But just how real is this, and how much of it is just about Judge Kavanaugh, and how much of it's just simply hating President Trump? A couple of things were really evident to even those who weren't paying attention. As the left lined up outside the Supreme Court just before the announcement speech, they had signs printed up with all four of the possible nominations. As soon as Kavanaugh was announced, they threw away the Amy Comey Barrett signs, the Raymond Kethledge signs, and the Thomas Hardiman signs. Really? They were prepared to hate anybody who was nominated. 
as if that surprises anybody. It gets worse. A group called the Women's March released a statement immediately after the announcement denouncing Donald Trump's nomination of XX to the Supreme Court. How utterly embarrassing. To not only get caught releasing a statement denouncing XX, who, by the way, was not the one nominated during Trump's speech, but to reveal themselves as simply being against anybody without regard to the person's qualifications, their experience, their judgment, or their talent. That's simply hate on display, people. The tweets have also been amazing in their extremity. Here's one quote. Millions of women's lives threatened. Really? Another one says, a death sentence for thousands. There's even one that said contraception will be banned. What? Where did that come from? I guess if you're hysterical enough, anything's possible. There was one that really cracked me up, and that was Kavanaugh's appointment will affect the court for the next 50 years. Now, I teach statistics, and I guess it's statistically possible that Kavanaugh will still be on the court when he's 103, but I kind of doubt it. Democratic leaders are also sounding the apocalypse. In terms of civility, you know, gone are the days when we simply looked at a judge and evaluated their ability to, well, judge. Even Judge Ruth Bader Ginsburg, acknowledged by both sides as being quite far to the left, was confirmed by a vote of 96 to 3. That was in 1993. In 2009, Judge Sotomayor was confirmed 68 to 31. I believe those days are long gone. Here's the bottom line from my perspective. Judges are not supposed to be politicians. The judicial branch of the government was designed to be, and has been up until recently, entirely apolitical. Really. Politics didn't even come into play in the judicial branch until recently. And there was an expectation that a judicial ruling, especially at the Supreme Court, would be guided by what the Constitution said about that aspect of the law in question. And the expectation was that the ruling would be fair and right down the middle. The judiciary was designed to be a check on the legislative branch and on the executive branch to ensure that politics didn't play too great a role in all things concerning the people. Let's face it, today, all levels of the judicial branch have become nothing but politics all the time, and we're the worst for it. Now, a lot of the hysteria is going to center around Roe versus Wade, and emotions are running incredibly high, as is the incivility on both sides. But I think that's actually going to be almost irrelevant. Here's why I say that. The real strategy is going to come down to votes, and not the votes in the Senate chamber, the votes during the midterm. Let's face it, there's several senators in red states up for re-election this year, and this judge is going to appeal to a lot of those people back in those red states. Senators like Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Heidi Heitkamp from North Dakota, Doug Jones from Alabama, and Joe Donnelly from Indiana are in a truly terrible situation. They have to support their base. But in reality, their base is going to vote for them no matter what they do. They have to support the leadership of the Democratic Party. If they cut those ties, they're sunk. They also have to face the voters back home. Voters who are going to be paying extremely close attention to this entire mess. And voters who, in a lot of cases, are going to be fans of a judge like Judge Kavanaugh. Mainstream, highly educated, excellent record, family man, and distinguished. Telling the home voters that a man like Kavanaugh is not qualified to be on the Supreme Court, that's going to be a bridge too far for a lot of voters back home. And these senators know this. And they're staying up late at night now trying to figure out a way to thread this needle and keep everybody happy. I don't think they're going to be able to find that path this time. For politicians, 
a choice is going to have to be made. And when it comes time to decide, I think they're going to choose their own survival over politics at the D.C. level. After all, if they don't come back to Washington, how can they continue to make a difference? This is the story politicians have told themselves for many, many years now. In the end, it's going to come down to self-serving issues as opposed to Roe versus Wade. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to look at the incivility of President Trump on the world stage. I think that's going to be very interesting. We'll be back right after this. Listen to Behind the Lines On Demand. Go to Behind the Lines on YouTube. Hit subscribe and click on the bell icon. You'll be alerted to live updates from J.R. McGee 24-7 from around the world. Behind the Lines with J.R. McGee will continue after this. Behind the Lines. Hi, I'm Peter Wexler, president of Franklin Retirement Solutions. And if you're like a lot of folks out there, the recent market volatility is driving you nuts. Here's the thing. Are you prepared for the next market correction? What percentage of your nest egg is at risk to the market? Do you want more money protected from market slides? There are a few ways, and I'd love to tell you more about it. Give me a call right now at 855-34-RADIO. That's 855-347-2346. Let's talk about income planning and investment options, including market risk and protected money strategies, and what blend might be right for you. And if you tell us that you heard us on the radio, any and all consultations we have will be absolutely free. Don't wait for the market to correct again. Start planning now. 855-34-RADIO. That's 855-347-2346. You're listening to Behind. You're listening to Behind the Lines. Behind the Lines. We'll be right back after this. Now, now, back to Behind the Lines. I am offended and outraged. All the special operations. In my opinion. I found you divinely. And I'll get to that point in just a minute. To be on the show, call 267-935-9042. Email J.R. McGee your thoughts or questions. J.R. McGee Radio at gmail.com. Welcome back to our topic tonight, which is civility or civil war. President Trump this week was guilty of his own incivility sideshow at the NATO conference in Brussels. Trump accused Germany of being a captive of Russia, calling members of the alliance delinquent in their defense spending, and insisting they increase it immediately. Let's unpack this, shall we? Germany has a major agreement with Russia to supply a very large percentage of the natural gas that Germany uses for their energy sector. This gas is piped in through pipelines, and another is being built to increase the amount of gas Germany purchases from Russia. Trump asked a very powerful question, although he asked it in a very undiplomatic manner, and I'm paraphrasing phrasing here for clarity. How can you depend on the U.S. for billions of dollars of support and defense when you're paying billions of dollars to the country we're supposedly helping to defend you against? Now, I'm sorry, but that's a very pertinent question. Russia is deliberately using energy to leverage themselves into NATO countries. If you control the power and the lights, you pretty much control the people. It's worked that way for centuries. This is a very serious strategic
strategic risk that Germany's placing themselves and other NATO countries under for the sake of cheap energy. President Trump had harsh words and tough questions for our other NATO allies. Russia's rebuilding her military and her capabilities. We've talked about that. They're building new military compounds in some of the old locations, and they're building new ones in new locations. Russia invaded Georgia and then Ukraine. Russia's on the move. They've made it clear that they want the Baltics back, and the Baltics would be Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania. Russia is threatening Poland with some pretty specific maneuvers. And Putin is far from stupid. He is known for years that energy has power far beyond its value in dollars and rubles. It can be used as leverage, control, and to threaten. It doesn't take a strategic genius to ask yourself, just what happens if Russia turns off the gas in the middle of a very cold winter? Just what would Germany do to get that gas turned back on? Hmm? President Trump. He's approaching this from two different positions, both correct and very difficult to justify from Germany's perspective. How can you justify the strategic risk for the sake of energy that you can get from your allies, not the least of which is the United States? And second, the amount of money the United States is paying to protect Germany from the very people they're paying billions of dollars to for said energy, which is Russia? Really? Let's look at why President Trump is making an uncivil push about this to our NATO allies. Here's the figures. The United States pays 3.61 of our GDP, our gross domestic product, in defense spending for Europe. Britain pays 2.21%. There's only five out of 27 countries that pay the 2% minimum. Britain is the only other major player in Europe who pays at least the 2.1%. France only pays 1.78%. Germany only pays 1.19%. And Canada, Canada plays less than 1%. 0.99%. Really? 0.99%? Why shouldn't they? Canada knows that if anybody attacks Canada, the United States is going to protect them. Why should they spend money on defense? The United States pays over $706 billion a year for Europe's defense. That's as much as the entire U.S. military budget for our country for this year. We're paying as much for Europe as we pay for ourselves. And what do we get for that? Germany, by contrast, pays approximately $51 billion a year for their military defense budget. America is only five times bigger than Germany, yet we pay 14 times more than Germany pays for their own defense. I'm sorry, but that is seriously unbalanced. And for that investment, let's look at the state of Germany's military. How ready are they to defend themselves, Europe, and based on the NATO alliance, the United States if need be? Here's some sad numbers. Germany has 128 Typhoon fighters, one of their frontline fighter jets. In May of this year, out of 128 fighter jets, only four, that's right, four, were combat capable. The rest were down for maintenance, awaiting spare parts, or down for subsystem failures. Four jets is precisely one flight. One flight against a very large number of Russian fighters that they would have to face if worse comes to worst. As for the German Navy, they just refused delivery of the first of a new class of frigates because the design failed at sea trials. And out of the existing 13 frigates that the Germans have, only five are capable of going to sea due to severe maintenance failures. Recently, the only German submarine capable of going to sea was pulled into dry dock due to an equipment failure. All the other 
other submarines are sitting in dry dock waiting for parts, spares, or maintenance. German tanks are no better. Out of 244 Leopard tanks, only nine could recently be fully armed and declared combat ready. Nine out of 244. German military equipment across the board is in similar states of disrepair and degradation. It's time to face the hard truth. Germany right now is incapable of defending herself if push comes to shove. Germany hasn't spent the money to keep their own equipment up because America has spent as much on Europe's defense as we spent on our own. This is inexcusable. If you look at the actual data, President Trump's hard questions and frustration with the lack of progress in rectifying this situation becomes far more understandable than what you're hearing about in the mainstream media. But that's not all bad. NATO's Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said yesterday, we all agree that we have to do more. I agree with you that we've got to do more to make sure that our allies are investing more. The good news is that allies have started to invest more in defense, he continued. After years of cutting defense budgets, they've started to add billions to their defense and in last year was the biggest increase in defense spending across Europe and Canada in that generation, unquote. President Trump has had very tough discussions with Angela Merkel of Germany. Some say they've been downright uncivil. He's had tough words for President Emmanuel Macron of France. And Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada actually defied President Trump this week at the conference and refused to increase Canada's less than 1% expenditure on military defense. Less than 1%. It's cynicism and it's not fair, but it is politics. President Trump he is not a politician, and he's clearly not a diplomat. And I do cringe sometimes when I hear and see what he says, and even more at how he sometimes says it. But for the first time in many long years, somebody is standing up for the American taxpayer. He's being incredibly transparent in having these discussions at open conferences. He's holding these leaders accountable for their actions, and most importantly, their results. It's what leaders do. It's how things get done. Many people, they're criticizing him for his style, even calling him classless. Maybe so, but he's getting results. I'm willing to overlook a few rough edges and the lack of polish for somebody who can move things down the field and get things done. And President Trump is moving things along at a pace that the diplomatic world considers breakneck speed. And yet it's obvious that President Trump still considers it frustratingly slow by his standards, and I might add the standards of normal Americans. Civility or incivility? A major change in our society or a rupture that's going to result in civil war? I don't know at this point. It's too early to tell. But what I do know is that we have it within ourselves to regain our civility, to reestablish our respect one for another. It's not too late. But if we continue down the path we're barreling down now, it's going to get ugly. I know people on the right, and I know a lot of people on the left. I respect people on the left. And I know that we all want the same things, ultimately. Peace, prosperity, safety, security, good jobs, and opportunities for our kids. If we want the same things, how hard can it be to learn to talk with each other again? We have to learn how to communicate and talk with each other civilly if we're ever going to find middle ground so that we can come together again as a nation. I know we have it in ourselves. We just have to go do it. I want to thank you, my listeners, fellow Americans. Join me next week as we go deep behind the lines to truly understand what's happening in America today. Good night and God bless.
Lines with J.R. McGee. Copyright 2018.